Let's pray. Dear God, we just praise you. Thank you that we can come into your house this morning, Lord, and lift up praises to you, Father. I pray that through the music, through our voices, Lord, that, that you're pleased with what you hear, and Lord, that, that we worship you in a pure heart. And Father, I pray that you just go with us through today through our service, Lord. Help us to feel your presence. Help us to know that you're here. Lord, come over us like an avalanche and help us to know you, each and every one of us, in all of our lives, each and every minute, each and every day. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
that we are a child of God. We ask you, Lord, to guide us and direct us in the path that you would have us to go and to serve you as you love us and you give us grace and you give us mercy. Please be with the leaders of this church, Lord. Please be with our church, a church that's built on love, that loves you. Please take these offerings and use them for your will and how you would have them to be used. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for your wonderful love to us. In Christ's name, amen.
You know, one of the ways we express appreciation is to clap, but let's don't do that. Let's just say in unison, thank you. Can we do that? One, two, three. Thank you. That's to y'all, okay? We do appreciate your ministry. Uh, if you got your copy of God's Word, uh, turn, if you would, to, to John chapter 13. And uh, we're going to focus in on verses 34 through 35. Several years ago, I was uh, associate pastor in Columbus, Georgia, and um, I was charged with um, being the main staff person to visit our nursing homes. And uh, I'll never forget uh, visiting Miss Etta, because every time I would visit Miss Etta, she would smile and she would laugh. And... Uh, I visited her, I don't know, probably two years, and every time I'd come to see her, I'd say, hey, Miss Edda, and she'd just go, <laughs> like that, and, and um, I said, it's so good to see you, and she'd just, <laughs> kind of like that, and, and I would just have a one-way conversation with her, and that went on for about two years, every month, and after about two years, one day I was walking to her room, and a nurse was walking out of her room. And I said, you know, I've never had a chance to ask you, are you Miss Edda's nurse? And, and she said, yes. I said, how long has she suffered with dementia? And uh, the nurse said, she doesn't have dementia. I said, she doesn't? She said, no. She's hard of hearing. I said, Really? So um, I changed my approach uh, after two years. I don't usually do this to women, but I went up to Miss Etta right by her ear. And I won't do it to Bill, but I said as loudly as I could, Miss Etta, I'm Reverend John. You know how you try to enunciate just like if they're from a foreign language or something. I'm Reverend John Hughes from First Baptist Church of Columbus. And instead of laughing, she just kind of turned her head up to tell me something. And the first words out of her mouth were, I don't have any money. I guess she thought I came to collect her ties there at the nursing home. I'll never forget that. I visited her for two years thinking one thing, never really realizing, never real, re really realizing what her need was. I want you to think about something. Um, I want you to think you know, some of you, how, how old are you? 16? 15. This is going to be hard, but think about this. I want you to imagine that you're now 79 or 80 years old. Okay? Kind of push yourself 70 years in the future or whatever. You're 79 years old and, and you're out at Golden Living. Okay? You know, that's right across from Geo Bailey. Or you're out at Southern Care, which is, anyway, you know where it is. You're right there. And one of the ministers from First Baptist Church comes to visit you. You've been out there for a few years. 
And I wonder what's going through your mind when that minister walks in the door. Are you thinking, boy, I want to know how many they had in Sunday school last week. Or man, I wish, are we running ahead of budget or behind budget? Uh, who are the new deacons? Or, you know, you think that's going to be what's on your mind? I don't think so. I think what you're going to wonder is simply this. Where are the, the men and women that I love and that really love me? Where are they? Where are they? You know, when we, when we think about it, what we really desire, whether we're older or whether we're in a crisis ourselves, at whatever age we're in, when we go through a crisis, we're not thinking, you know, man, I'm glad we gave to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering last year, or, or you know, I'm glad we met a financial goal, or we built a building, or whatever. When we're in a crisis, what do we think about? Man, I want to see somebody that cares about me. I want to be with some of my Christian friends who can encourage me, who can, who can help me. You know, when we think about it, every one of us would agree in the final analysis, what's really important is the presence and the love of, of brothers and sisters in Christ. And the question I ask this morning as we study the Word is this. Why is it so difficult? Why is it so difficult to give our love one to another? Let's look at the Scripture. Look with me at John 13, 34 and 35. Evidently, it must have been tough for the disciples of Jesus. For he felt it necessary to give them a command. He says, a new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Father, I just echo the prayers that have already been being prayed this morning. We've been praising you and celebrating your presence your love and your mercy in our life. Father, we've had the opportunity to even share and express our love to you through offerings and praises and prayers. Lord, I pray you'll just open our eyes to understand your word and that we would just have the privilege of just walking more intimately and closely with you. And as a result, we'd love each other we would love this community. We'd love the world. We'd see you work through us. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want us to look quickly this morning at some of the barriers um, for loving one another. I think the first one, very clearly, is just a lack of understanding. A lack of understanding. Um, for many of us, church is really perceived as a place to kind of fill up our spiritual tank. We come in you know, once a week. We sit, we enjoy a great Sunday school lesson, we're fed spiritually, it kind of fills us up spiritually. We gather in a worship setting and we're lifted, our thoughts, our minds, you know, it's kind of the only time all week long where you are mentally, emotionally, and visually challenged to reality. Do you realize that? The rest of your week, many times what you're challenged to is not what's real. 
The scriptures say that God is supreme and his love is real and he died on the cross for you and, and Jesus can make all the difference in your life. I mean, if you sit and watch about a jillion TV commercials, what are you seeing is real? All kinds of things they're saying is what's real. So many times, though, we just look at church, though, as a place to, to come in, get our spiritual tank filled, to get our minds squared away, if you would. But, oh, it's so much more than that. The church of Jesus Christ, look at what he says. You're to love one another as what? As I've loved you. Together, right here in this room this morning, there are people who've experienced the love of Jesus Christ. And they could tell you about it. I can remember it was a fall afternoon. I was a junior in college. I was wrapping up some mic cords just like these up here. And I met this cute, blonde-haired girl named Nancy. And as we were wrapping up the mic cords and we were talking, I said, do you want to go to the library after, you know, and study this afternoon? She said, sure. And so that was our first date. We've been married 31 years. What I'm just saying is I could tell you about meeting and falling in love with Nancy. You know the same thing happened with Jesus Christ. When I was 13 years old, there was another cute young girl that I knew named Lynn. And I'd go over to her house with her mom and dad and watch TV and hang out. And the people that really influenced my life was a guy named Ralph and his wife DJ Stultz. And the way they influenced my life was because it was just weird the way they interacted with each other. Okay? I mean, they weren't hugging and kissing and all that kind of stuff, but the way they talked to each other, you could tell Jesus Christ was real in that home and in their marriage. And I just kind of, my, my parents were Christians, but they didn't talk like that. And I just kind of got me curious. I'm like going, I'm sitting over there, I'm going. And what the Lord used in my life was that couple. Of course, their daughter was the reason I was over there. But anyway, but God, God used that couple in my life. What about you? Do you realize today that the only reason we exist as a church is because each one of you has had that personal encounter. You've experienced the love of Jesus Christ in a specific way, in a personal way, in your life. So I hope that's what you understand is the foundation of our church. The second thing, another barrier that we face is what I call um, inertia. Now, what is inertia? Not sure, okay. Oh, you do? You just didn't know you're supposed to speak, okay. What's inertia? Excuse me? Energy is not put in motion, okay. You know, inertia, well, at least what I remember, is like, it's the resistance or the force to being able to move this. It's the friction or whatever is what I always understood. It's like a rock, and it didn't want to move. And you know what? In our relationships, and we have inertia. We have a sense of like, okay, um, you know, I, I'm not really mad or upset with anybody in church are you no I'm, I mean we're all getting along pretty good matter of fact I kind of like everybody and that and when you kind of have that feeling it's kind of like well you're just kind of content 
And then it's hard to see movement. It's hard to see additional expressions of the love of which Jesus is talking about. Matter of fact, you know, I've been here about seven and a half years. I've known, you know, Rodney Bennett for about that long, or, you know, Jim Donovan about that long. I've known these people for about that long. And I feel kind of comfortable around them. You know? Some of you maybe have been here about seven weeks as a part of the church, and, and you're probably starting to feel comfortable here. You know, you're get, getting to know some of the people. But Jesus is, is reminding us that we've got to overcome our contentment and satisfaction with the way things are and continue to express His love. A third barrier that we see are distractions. Distractions. And that's simply this. Everybody in here is extremely busy. You, the, the adults, the senior adults in this church have killed my motivation for wanting to retire. Okay? Because I always thought that when I would retire someday, I'd have a lot of free time. Well, every senior adult in this church that I know is like mega busy. Okay? And I'm thinking, well, why retire? I mean, you might as well just keep working and getting paid because you're going to be working even when you retire. You know, now my friends assure me that it's, it's better that way, but I'm, I'm not convinced yet. But so many of us are so busy. I mean, whether we're running from work or we're running to, you know, ball or we're running to take care. Did any, did any of y'all have any grass that's growing in your yard? Golly. I mean, and I fertilized it. I really am stupid, aren't I? Okay, man, I fertilized this stuff and I, man, I'm going, man, I'm filling up all my bare spots, you know. Well, just more work, isn't it? We're all so busy. And it's like, man, I, I would love to, to let Rodney know that, that I love him and I care about him, but, you know, I just ain't got the time, you know? Um, I, you know, I heard that, you know, Rodney needed to help on his door, but, you know, I just don't really have the time, you know? We're busy. We've got a lot on our plate. We have the desire, we honestly desire to do it, but we have so many distractions, whether it's our jobs, our recreation, whether it's our families, the needs. See, for many of us, and we've all experienced this too, some of the distractions happen when we have setbacks. We lose our job. We struggle with our health. Now, as the body of Christ, you would hope that when we experience a setback, we care enough and we're able to share that with others. But our tendency is what? I know what, I've been through the same thing. When you suffer a setback, you kind of draw in. And you don't really want people to know you've suffered a loss many times. And you try to get it, you know, you try to build things back on your own and then kind of re-enter the fellowship. Realize those experiences. Don't let them be distractions that take you away. Let those be opportunities to share and draw upon the resources of one another. I mean, it's embarrassing. I mean, it's, it's hard. You know, I don't want to walk in here and sit in Sunday school and say, you know, well, I lost my job, you know. I don't, I don't want to do that. So 
Now, maybe I won't say it in Sunday school. Maybe I'll share it with a couple friends. <laughs> you know? Distractions. Another barrier to experiencing love and sharing his love is just fear. Fear. We fear sharing with one another because they may think we don't have it all together. We fear sharing and, and revealing ourselves. Another reason we fear is because if we share, we're afraid somebody might just kind of um, drop a spiritual dump truck on us. You know, we share a burden of our heart, something that we're struggling with, and, and they share a Bible verse like, you know, Philippians 4.4, 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, and you're like going, well, thank you for blessing me with that verse. What I'm going through, that's not exactly what I wanted to hear. Or, or the verse, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Or many are fearful maybe that somebody will say, you know, Romans 8.28, All things work together for good. When we're going through a tough time, those verses are true. They're real. But you just don't really want to hear it from brother and sister at that moment. You want, to, you want them to respond to you in, in love from the heart. There's times to encourage and exhort later. Some of us are fearful because we are, are afraid that if people really knew us, what was going on on the inside, they wouldn't love us. Now, we've just sang the verses. I mean, the song is beautiful about the love of God. But we know, here's what's the beautiful thing. We know every one of us in here, we're all sinners. We know every one of us has, has broken the law of God. We, every one of us has disappoint, disappointed ourselves. We've disappointed our parents. We've disappointed the Lord. Every one of us has. And yet, each one of us has experienced the love of Jesus Christ. Each one of us has experienced his forgiveness. So we don't have to be afraid of sharing together, loving each other, and encouraging each other. When you hang out with the staff team, you kind of get a, um, a label, okay? You know, just like if you're on any ball team or anything, you'll get a label. And um, my label with the staff team is like Mr. Question, that you always have a, a question. And I do kind of have a pet question that, that uh, has kind of been rolling around in my head, and, and that is this. Who is your closest friend at First Baptist Church Tiffin? Who is your closest friend at First Baptist Church Tiffin? And, and the reason I, I ask that is, is, is simply to, to think about this. Um, sometimes if I ask somebody, they'd say, well, you know, my closest friend isn't actually in the church. It's, it's somebody, you know, that I grew up with. And to me, what this highlights is our need to overcome barriers. Our need to overcome barriers. It's certainly unrealistic to think that if we're obedient to the command of Jesus, that we'll all be best friends. That's not what it's saying. But... What I do believe is if we're obedient to the command of Jesus to love one another, 
that the Lord, who is, we're seeking to be stewards of his love, will at least provide us one close friend in the fellowship. That we won't feel isolated or alone. See, Jesus desires that there be a commitment one to another. A commitment to, to live our lives with a sense of deep caring, compassion, and sharing. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. It's easier for me, personally, to give of my financial resources than to give of myself to another brother in Christ. It's not easy to give your financial resources. I'm not saying that's easy to do either. I'm just saying it's easier for me to sit down personally and say, okay, this is what I need to do in terms of my relationship with God and giving my tithes and offerings to Him than to, than to think about, say, what Mark's needs are and, or as I'm picking on Rodney over here, Rodney's needs and, and trying to, to relate to those. Here's what C.S. Lewis said. C.S. Lewis wrote, he said, Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one. Not, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it safe in the casket or coffin of your own selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. So Jesus commands us here to give ourselves to one another in love. Are we willing to be obedient to Christ's command? Are we willing to be vulnerable? The most precious resource you have for making it as a Christian, other than God himself, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit and his word, the most precious resource you have are brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, for years... I visited Ms. Etta, and I never even knew that I could have a personal relationship with that woman. I just thought she had already mentally checked out. I didn't even know it was possible. It changed my whole attitude towards her when I'd come to see her. She was hilarious. She was fun. She just couldn't hear. She was a wonderful person. You know, for years, when I was in college, I worked shoulder to shoulder with many brothers and sisters in Christ in, in a campus ministry there. We did a lot of wonderful things together. I'll, I'll never forget, we brought in a magician, and his name was Andre Cole, and 
And, uh, and we invited thousands of students to come hear this guy and see this guy. I remember, y'all remember Josh McDowell came to our church years ago. We, we had Josh. We, um, oh, I can't remember everything, but we did a lot of different things. Yeah, we even did something, something totally crazy. We did a, a video pre- uh, presentation called If I Should Die. And we were basically trying to scare all the college students with the thought that one day you're going to die. You know, most college students think they're what? You know, bulletproof and, you know, can't, nothing can happen. And we even had one of the girls in our, in our group lay in a coffin. And as students came by, she sat up and said, I just want to invite you to the, to the video presentation. <laughs> and she had people's attention. We did all these things together. All this for the cause of Christ. But I'll never forget one of our spring retreats. We were in, you know, we had brought our students and everybody brought these students. We were at the spring retreat, and a great retreat. And that night, as we were putting stuff up, Julie Davis, who was one of the small group leaders, was there, and I was there. And I had known Julie for like three years because we'd been working to reach students and all this. And we just paused for a second, and I just got to know a little bit about her. Like, whatever, when she went to high school, or who her parents were, or, or about her good friend Donna Slaughter, and I just, just get to know her. And after that 15-minute conversation, I thought, I had been working beside this person for three years and didn't know anything about them. Oh, that is a poor way to live. That's a sad way to live. One day, during a staff meeting at Willow Creek Community Church, which is in Barrington, Illinois, just outside of Chicago, one of the largest churches in the United States. They were having their staff meeting. And they were talking about the subject we're talking about. Love. And somebody on that staff team asked the question, why is it, and their staff team was probably 30 or 40 people, why is it we never tell each other as a staff team that we love each other. Bill Hybels, senior pastor, he said, in a flash, I knew why I didn't. Senior pastor said, I knew exactly why I didn't tell the staff members that I love them. He said, because I know maybe three years from now, I'd have to look them in the face and say, you're fired. How could he do that? But as I recall, he said that day as a team, they decided, we'll risk it. We'll not only say it verbally, we will seek to truly communicate it one to another. Now I want to ask you, what's holding us back? What's holding you back? in obedience to the command of Jesus for us to love one another. 
Are you afraid this morning that if, uh, if you said to another brother, a brother to brother in Christ, man, hey, I care about you, I want to be available to you. Are you afraid that when the chips are down, when there is a need, you, you'll, you won't come through? And thus your words will be hollow? Are you afraid that maybe you'll be uh, in a church business meeting and uh, I'm picking on Rodney again. Rodney has one opinion in the church business meeting and I have another and his may, you know, we may get a kind of a heated discussion and, 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 and a year earlier I'd said how much, hey, I love you, I'll do anything for you and on that night we're at polar opposites and I'm thinking, oh, those words seem so hollow. Why do we hold back? According to this scripture, a new command I give you, love one another. You and I have a huge assignment. If 800 people show up today in Sunday school or whatever we have, great. There's 800 people you're to love. That's a gargantuan assignment. But let me tell you one thing. I want you to think about this this morning. I want you to think about the flip side of this. I want you to think about what an incredible benefit you have. Can you imagine having 400, let's split 800 by half, 400 men who love you, who would do anything for you. 400 men who would encourage you. 400 men who would have your back. Ladies, can you imagine if you had 400 women who were truly sisters that would do anything for you? Yes, you're pouring out your love, but imagine 400 pouring into you as well. Isn't that incredible? This incredible command of Jesus Christ to us is also an awesome promise that we should be able to experience here in the body of Christ. So I ask you, are you willing not only to, to give love this morning, but to sincerely receive it and sincerely celebrate it? In essence, do you really, truly, understand the needs of those who are gathered in this room this morning. See, Jesus knew what the needs of everyone in that room were. That's why he gave us the command. And that's why he says, when we obey it, it authenticates the gospel message of Jesus himself, his birth, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and his return. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it speaks truth to our hearts. Father, our desire is simply to know you and to love you and to live out authentically our relationship with you. Father, Help us to do that in the context of this wonderful fellowship you've placed us. The fellowship called First Baptist Church. The church that's built on love. The church that down through the ages has made sacrifice after sacrifice, not only for those in the fellowship, but for this community, so that the gospel of Jesus Christ might shine in Tifton, in Georgia, the United States, throughout the world. Father, 
May we be the generation that is just, again, hearing those words afresh and anew. And may we walk in the power of your love and the power of your spirit. And may we walk in obedience to you. In Jesus' name, amen. The Holy Spirit has been speaking to you in recent days. And in the quietness of your own heart, you've invited Jesus to come in as your Lord and Savior. You know a week ago, a month ago, you prayed and invited him in. According to God's word, he says, he stands at the door and knocks. If anybody opens the door, I'll come in. So according to the word of Jesus, if you opened the door and invited him in, he came in. He forgave you of your sins. He's made you a child of God.